Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of the Young Lions Perspective. I can't believe we're already at 101 episodes. It's still surreal to me that we've made it to 100. If you haven't checked out episode 100 yet, of my preview and predictions for AEW All Out, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Royal Quest, and NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff that I did on Tuesday. Y'all might want to go check that out. If you're trying to make a little bit of predictions or you just want to see what I had to say about all three pay-per-views in and of itself, man, definitely go check out that episode. But we are now on the road to 200 and we are going to kick it off with a little bit of news here uh, for your Thursday afternoon slash evening. I want to get make sure I get this done before college football tonight and NFL preseason football because I know some of y'all are college football fans. It bees but it bees. Let's get into it, though. So... Starting off, backstage update on Bray Wyatt possibly challenging for the WWE Universal title at Hell in a Cell. I actually saw this come across my uh, Twitter timeline um, the other day, and I was thinking, my first thought initially was too soon. Because The Fiend is something that should just be like, very, very sacred. Kind of like Finn Balor's uh, demon gimmick. Uh, it should only come out every once in a while. It shouldn't come out literally like every month or, um, you know, every week, couple weeks or so. You want it to be special. The Fiend gimmick, when it debuted at SummerSlam, blew everyone away. From the beginning until the end of the match, fans, critics, podcasters, including myself, we're all amazed at the fact that they actually, at least for like 15 minutes, had taken the world by storm with this Fiend gimmick. We were all waiting in anticipation of this Fiend gimmick being put out, and they hit a literal grand slam with this. And then my second thought was, putting the title on them now, like, like next in a couple next couple of months, it's a possibility. But the thing is, you know, I'm st- I still have my concerns. You know, I, I still say you want that fiend character to be built up as like a super juggernaut. And if it does get to that point, you know, where it's looked as an actual juggernaut, then challenge for that title. I'm still in the fence of if it's too much too soon right now. But let's get into an article. Um, this is from Jesus Christ. From uh, Mark Middleton from WrestlingInc.com. WWE does have plans for the Fiend Bray Wyatt to challenge for the WWE Universal title at the October WWE Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. As noted, the Golden One Center in Sacramento made a tweet this week that said Wyatt would be challenging the winner of the WWE Universal title match at Clash Champions on September 15th, either Braun Strowman or current champion Seth Rollins. Rollins and Strowman will also defend their Raw tag titles against Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler that night. There have been some speculation on the arena, making a big deal out of local advertising that WWE sent them, but that's not the case. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that Wyatt headlining Hell in a Cell against the Universal Champion is the real plan. There's no word yet on if it will be Wyatt versus Strowman, 
more Wyatt versus Rollins, but we will keep you updated. Strowman and Wyatt had a Twitter exchange earlier this week over the possible Hell in a Cell match. You can check out the report on their back and forth, and they have a link there if you're uh, if you want to check out the article at WrestlingInc.com. I mean, if that's the case, if that's what they want to do for the Fiend, if this is the end goal for how they want to have Fiend be the Fiend Bray Wyatt become world champion, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna you know stop me from saying hell no, you know, I, I would be all for it because I think the last time Bray Wyatt was WWE champion, that title reign was straight garbage, didn't last long enough, and he should, and they should have been able to get past Randy Orton, and honestly, a lot, of, and a lot of people would have wanted Luke Harper, Randy Orton, and Bray Wyatt in a triple threat match for that WWE championship a couple years ago. Um, I personally would have been all for that as well. So, let's get into some more news. I posted this on my Instagram earlier today. Um, just as a rumor, I knew it really was, I, I kind of didn't think it was going to be up anything. Excuse me. And if you were on my, and you checked out my Instagram, uh, there was a rumor of talks with Enzo Amore and Big Cass possibly coming back to NXT for a return. They were speaking with, apparently they were speaking with NXT executive and being possibly positioned as top stars on the brand. We now see that WWE denies rumor of talks with Enzo Amore and Big Cass about a possible NXT return from Mike Chiari at Bleacher Report WWE. WWE has denied a report that the company has been in talks with Enzo Amore and Big Cass about a potential return. According to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Enzo and Cass would likely be positioned as top stars on NXT if they decide to re-sign with WWE. However, Ryan Satin of ProWrestlingSheet.com reported WWE told him there's no truth to the report. With NXT set to debut a two-hour weekly show on USA Network on September 18th and then go head-to-head with AEW on TNT beginning October 2nd, Enzo and Cass provide NXT with a type of shock factor return that could get more fans to tune in. Enzo and Cass rose to prominence in NXT and were arguably the brand's most popular act from 2014 to 2016. They received a call-up to the main roster in 2016 and continue to garner huge reactions thanks to their energetic entrance, might work, and overall entertainment value. Despite their success as a tag team, WWE split up Enzo and Cass in 2017. We'll get to that in a minute. Enzo went on to become a two-time Cruiserweight champion while Cass suffered a knee injury that caused him to miss eight months. Enzo was released from WWE in January 2018 following allegations that he was sec- he sexually assaulted a woman in Phoenix. Or deny the allegations and no charges were filed because of insufficient evidence because it never fucking happened. That's a whole story, another story for another day. Cass returned from injury in April 2018 and entered into a feud with Daniel Bryan, and after losing multiple matches to Bryan, Cass was released from WWE until June 2018. WWE never publicly provided a reason for Cass's release, but Cass took responsibility. In a recent interview with Pro Wrestling Sheet, Cass said he fucked over WWE and never and had nothing bad to say about the company. Cass also said he felt the doors open for an eventual return. 
Enzo and Kaz have reunited since leaving WWE under the names of NZO and Kaz XL. They have worked multiple independent shows together and have even appeared at the ROH and JPW G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden in New York City in April, which surprisingly went absolutely fucking nowhere. Since Enzo and Kaz aren't tied to any single wrestling company, they are free to return to WWE if the offer is on the table. The Monday Night War between WWE and WCW was highlighted by surprise signings and returns on a regular basis, and if WWE eventually decides to bring in Enzo and Cass for NXT, that will perhaps be the first major shot fired in the impending Wednesday Night War. So, would I want Enzo Amore and Big Cass Back in the w, underneath the WWE umbrella. Yes and no. More so, yeah. Um, and here's why I say yes. Enzo Amore and Big Cass, at the time in NXT, when they were just pretty much one of the better acts in NXT, were kicking ass. They were literally growing. They were growing right in front of our eyes. They had Carmella by their side. They were huge baby faces. Over as fuck with the crowd. And it was insane how amazing they got over. Enzo could talk his ass off. Big Cass was there being the big dude. And Carmella was also there, you know, doing her thing. Um, as the princess of Staten Island. And it worked. It worked so well. It's sad that they never... They did for the uh, NXT Tag Team Championships. Unfortunately, they, did, they were defeated by the Revival. I forget which takeover it was, but they did have the NL. It was a lot of people were thinking that was going to be their big moment, their time to shine, the moment where they finally became champions. And unfortunately, it wasn't their night. But they were still over as fuck. Like, supremely over. When they got up to uh, WWE's being roster, as it said in the report, they were still over. They were just that over with everything. They were just so over. The one thing WWE should never have done ever was break them up. Vince McMahon thought he had a big money player in big cast. A lot of people had got, you know were catching wind of that. And the fact that they decided to break them up not only broke a lot of people's hearts, but pissed a lot of people off. And I was one of those people where I saw a big cast was not going to be that big money player that Vince McMahon thought he was. And that rivalry, that feud that they had was straight trash. It was a very, very bad feud that ended, unfortunately, with Cass being injured. And caused him to miss eight months. Yes, Enzo went on to have success in the Cruiserweight division. And as a heel, not going to front, it actually worked. Um, I know he was scheduled to fit, to defend uh, the Cruiserweight Championship in 2018. And I did do an episode on that um, last year. If my mind serves me right. Actually, no, I didn't do one. That's because I started in July. So... We're going to turn back the clock real quick. I may have done it in the Wrestling With Issues podcast, but that's neither here nor there. But I'll break it down to the way I thought about it. When this was like during like the whole beginnings of the Me Too movement. And 
So, the story goes a little something like this. Enzo Amore was in a hotel room in Phoenix. This one chick who's whose name I don't remember, nor will we ever try to remember because this bitch was a hell of a liar, could have gotten an Oscar. Pretty much, and this is how the real story went. I'm going to tell you the real story, and then I'm going to tell you what actually fucking happened. So this, so the story goes that, um, actually, you know what? Just to make sure I have authenticity for this shit, we're going to actually look it up. I hate Because in terms of something like this, I want to make sure... I have the facts straight, so we're gonna look up that. And, and uh, mind you, this was like a little, this was like a year or so ago, so it, it's. Let me see. Okay, yeah, this was like this is literally the biggest news right before. Um. Because he was supposed to actually defend the Cruiserweight Championship that the weekend. Literally that weekend. Coming up. So pretty much like the real story goes like this. No, I don't want notifications in my butthole. So the, so the story went that... Enzo Amore was in his uh, hotel room in Phoenix with a couple of friends or whatever... And I think one of the friends pretty much put out a tweet like, yo, who wants to hang out with Enzo Amore? This chick who accused Enzo Amore of sexual assault pretty much hits him up in the DM, said, yeah, I'm close to Phoenix. All that good shit. You know, I'm down. They said, come through. She comes through. So they're chilling or whatever. What she says is that Pretty much, he drugged her up, knocked her out, and raped her. Sexually assaulted. Whatever you want to call it. What really fucking happened was that she... Now, mind you, I've seen the... She has a YouTube video and all this shit. Talking about, like, you know... she got, And she had the whole story. Pretty much saying, like, she was willing to go there. She did have sex with Enzo Amore. All it is that in the third. All this shit. So sex did happen, and you know, she, you know, she's trying to get a little 15 minutes of fame off that shit, you know, because me too movement. So when all was said and done, police the Phoenix Police Department dropped the investigation of sexual assault allegations because of insufficient evidence. And I have the up from pro. This is from ProWrestlingSheet.com. Um, on January, now this is the quote that his lawyer had said the Wednesday. I think this past the Wednesday after all the investigation was done. On January twenty, end quote. On January twenty second, twenty eighteen, Eric Art, also known as Enzo Amore for World Wrestling Entertainment, was accused via the internet and social media of misconduct during an alleged incident in Phoenix, Arizona, several months earlier. Prior to that date, no law enforcement or any other officials had contacted Mr. Art regarding such claims. 
However, after the careless, unfounded tirade on social media, Mr. Arndt learned of these accusations when his counsel reached out to Phoenix Police. Subsequently, and as evidenced by the vast amount of online admissions and other publicly available information, it was soon clear that the accuser exhibited a, a complete lack of truth or credibility at all times. Mr. Arndt fully and unequivocally denied such accusations and remained confident in clearing his name. So, the only reason, and he actually got released from the company due to the simple fact that he never told his higher-ups. He never told the superiors, the powers that be at the company, that this was going on. That was the one thing that fucked him over, was that he never told Vince McMahon or any other higher-up that this was going on. That's the only reason he got fired. So, Enzo's statement then continued... Quote, the Phoenix Police Department recently informed Mr. Arndt and his counsel that there is sufficient evidence in this matter to warrant any criminal charges, that the matter will not be transferred to the Quarry County Attorney for prosecution, and that their investigation and case is closed. No charges were ever filed. The matter is closed. Mr. Arndt expresses his gratitude for the enormous amount of support from his fans and followers during this time period. The support has carried him through these events and opened his eyes to the faith and loyalty of those who have cheered and followed his career. This experience has further taught Mr. Arndt to be cautious with the personal associations because false defamatory and unfounded accusations can alter and impact the lives and careers of the falsely accused and their families. Mr. Arn is working diligently toward his next venture in the entertainment industry and looks forward to reconnecting with his fans in a big way in the very near future. Quote. So, yeah, and that's pretty much what really happened. You know, the fact that a woman was seriously willing to Ben and Zoe Amore, consensually, and, you know, have no problem, you know, just flat out lying about being raped because of, now, her side, now, what really happened with her was, um, the reason she literally brought this all out of being raped was because she actually got caught being past curfew, because... Um, surprisingly, homegirl was in a halfway house. Yeah. Yeah, see, we don't, yeah, nobody ever, yeah, see, all that bullshit while everybody's like, oh, this is bullshit, she got raped. Yeah, not knowing she literally was a fucking drug addict. And got caught, I, I believe, by her father, if I'm not mistaken. Or, and, you know, because she was out late. Got caught by her father couldn't hold herself accountable for her actions of banging into a moray so she said she got raped in order to get out of it and thought that would be her get out of jail free card so the reason I say no is because people never forget about that you know yes I mean the case is closed no further evidence happened the unfortunate thing was that she never got charged with lying to police she never, she committed perjury, flat out committed perjury, but unfortunately never went to prison because of it. And that's the only thing I really still have a gripe about to this day is that she never got her day in court. And she, and I, if I were Eric Arndt, if I were Enzo Amore, I'm talking to Eric, I would have sued her into the stone ages. I would have filed charges against her for defamation of character, for perjury. And I want her put in prison. You send that message that you do not fuck with me like this. That's the only that's the only mistake that 
That's the only two mistakes he made, was that he never told WWE about what was going on, and that he should have sued her into the Stone Age and put her in prison for, for fucking defaming his character. That's partly the reason why I say no, is because that kind of stigma is still there. Even if the case is closed, you know, people still may feel some type of way about Enzo Amore. The only reason I didn't like Enzo Amore towards the end was because he was getting, he, he beat Neville. They, had, they were going to have him booked to beat Neville. That was bullshit. But that's neither here nor there, but that was a little unfortunate trip down memory lane for yours truly. And I was like really upset with this, like that whole, but that's neither here nor there. But WWE denies it. The news says that there's rumors. Let's just take the, let's just take all of this with a grain of salt and take the, I'll see it when I believe it. Hold on, let me me show you. I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I can't work today. I was doing so good at work today, and then I do this shit, and I'm just like, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it approach. That's how I see it. And finally, to round out... Okay. There you go. It's my laptop. I act somewhat stupid today. Whatever. X that out. All right. To end this little news segment, because we're... Already at 20 minutes. Wow. See, this is what happens when I go on a rant, y'all. And I just talk shit. From Mandatory.com and Dominic D'Angelo. Reported talks of another WWE draft-type deal to solidify brand rosters before TV jump. That headline alone is going to make me get pissed off. And we might get another rant from yours truly. But let's get into it. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer is reporting that there has been talks of WWE having another draft-style-like deal to iron out the SmackDown and Raw rosters before SmackDown goes to Fox in October. According to Meltzer in his latest Observer newsletter, the changes he heard about aren't planned to be major, but the talks are just to have some changes. Everything is being kept quiet. I'm just looking, I'm just really went silent because that was, they spelled quiet wrong. And Meltzer states that the first entities to know if any changes will be Fox and USA Network. Now, let me let me explain why y'all that's bullshit. Let me explain why y'all this is all types of bullshit. When WWE did their superstar shakeup back in April, I was okay with some of the moves. Okay with some. Um, Andrade moving over to Raw, I was like, nah. Um, Ricochet going to Raw, Aleister Black going to SmackDown, made sense. And then they had, I think, Aleister go to Raw, and then brought him back to SmackDown. And the same thing happened with Andrade, because Charlotte and Andrade are a thing, and Zelina and uh, Aleister are married, literally. Um, and Charlotte and Andrade are engaged, literally. Some some of the moves were just kind of weird. Two weeks later, they brought out the wild card rule, which is the literal dumbest thing that WWE has done all of 2019. It is literally stupid, dumb as hell. It can't be explained. I just, I'm glad. Once it's gone in October, never bring it back, ever. It was dumb, stupid, made no fucking sense, helped no storylines, just got Roman Reigns in too many storylines, Shane McMahon on both shows was retarded, we got a lot of dumb shit, got a lot, a lot of dumb stuff, it was bad, it was bad, 
It was bad. Still is. It's bad. It's terrible. Never do it again. WWE, in my honest opinion, should have held a draft immediately after SummerSlam. The night after SummerSlam, the Raw after SummerSlam, you have your draft. And it should have been planned before WrestleMania. And it should have been hyped up from the end. I would say from the all, all summer long. Do it in June. They should have. This is this is how I would have booked everything. And I'm gonna give y'all a quick one. In April, let the rumors start, you know, being in there. WWE should have already had their if they're gonna do a draft, WWE should have already had everything in place. So that come October, rosters were in place, rivalries were set. The right champions would go to the right spots and everything would be good to go prior to the jump to for SmackDown to Fox in October. That's long-term booking, ladies and gentlemen. All right, and then uh, and then you forget WWE doesn't know how to long-term book to save their fucking life because, well, fucking reasons. Let the rumors start. Let it start. I'd say sometime in May or June. Announce the draft. Do it. Announce it all summer. Let that be the biggest focus. The draft. And let that be the biggest talking point going into and then you, 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 don't, you don't announce when, but there will be a draft. We don't know when. I'd say in the build towards SummerSlam, in the July, the begin, like towards that beginning build of SummerSlam, you announce it the night after the Raw, after SummerSlam, a full-on draft. A full-on draft. The entire episode is going to be draft night. Make it a big presentation, a full-on presentation like you do for the NFL, NBA draft, and all that shit. Tuesday, supplemental, like you know, at like the first couple of rounds, SmackDown that on um, SmackDown the next night, you finish the draft off. If you want to have matches in between, by all means, do so. But that's how I would have done the draft. You know, night after SummerSlam, getting prepared for October. And boom, you go from there. You already have your stuff set going into Class Champions. You have, and then Hell in a Cell. Survivor Series becomes a bigger deal because now you have your draftees already in. TLC, Royal Rumble, all that shit. Now, I've heard that they're, once they if they do the draft, it's gonna be permanent. They're gonna make permanent Raw rosters, permanent SmackDown rosters. I kind of don't like that because you kind of need to shake it up every once in a while. Pun not intended. But I wouldn't. I mean, you can do it every year, you know, just to just to spice things up a little bit, make it a little spicy. But you can't have. And not in good consciousness be doing this now. You should have already plans should have been made way in advance. 
You could have done it the night after SummerSlam with everything in place, and then you go into October easy as pie because you have everything set up already. You already have your feuds that you want to take care of. You have everything you want to have set up prior to, and you could have done it the night after SummerSlam. Why? Because you literally could have, because you had two weeks at the end of this, because you did SummerSlam earlier, and you literally could have had your, you, like what? Because looking at your count, looking at our calendar right now, two, nine. you had literally a five week build. You know, a technically four a months long build, four weeks worth of build. Towards Clash of Champions. Raw Draft is your first step. Raw Draft would be your first week. And then you build from there. Building your... You have your roster set. You build from there. It couldn't be that much easier. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be a big thing. I don't know if they're going to have set rosters just going permanent. If it does, that I don't know if it'll work out. But that's just me. And that will round out our new segment to open up episode 101 of the Young Lions Perspective. And as we say with every time, this is episode 101 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. Zach from the Wrestling Delicious Podcast here. Welcome to this episode 101 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Thursday afternoon slash evening. And I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. I know tonight's a big night. Uh, for those who are uh, huge fans of college football, the last week of preseason begins tonight. Uh, and, of course, um, everybody's excited about that because we're heading, we're like literally a week away from the beginning of the NFL season. And um, who wouldn't be excited about, you know, college football coming back, NFL finishing up its preseason, Fantasy drafts are getting done and all that stuff. And we'll have all of that back into our lives for the next four or five months. But NXT should have been all over your television screen, your laptop, your mobile device last night. And if you didn't watch NXT, dare I say you missed one hell of an episode of NXT. I'm going to take a sip of water because I know I'm going to be talking a lot for this episode. Muscle Farm BCAAs. Shameless plug. It's fucking delicious. Anyway. NXT was fucking fantastic. I think probably post-takeover, this is probably the best episode they've had. I know we're basically three episodes removed from TakeOver. And they've done a lot over the past three weeks. Jordan Miles, you know, winning the breakout tournament. You know, you had... The road to war games starting to build already. They've done a lot so far in just three weeks. It, it's, it has been fire so far. And last night's episode of NXT 
definitely show, they showed their ass last night. I'm not even going to front with y'all. They showed their ass last night starting the build towards TakeOver War Games. I'm going to have a title on this that's going to make a lot of sense. That's going like, to really make a lot of sense as we, once we get closer to TakeOver War Games. And I did post this on Twitter last night. I want you to keep these three words in mind, three simple words in mind throughout September, October, and going into November as we head towards Survivor Series weekend and take over War Games 3. Winners take all. Keep those three words in mind between now and take over War Games because... If, the, if they're building this the way I think they're building it, those three words will make a lot of sense when we get to TakeOver War Games and the War Games match itself. I guarantee. But I'll explain all of that when we get further on into when we talk about the main event of, of last night's episode of NXT. And let's get into last night's episode of NXT, starting off with the evil genius herself, Io Shirai, returning to full sale after her, what I thought was the best women's match all Summer Slam weekend against Candice LeRae, returning to take, returning to the full sale arena, going up against Cammy Fields. Um, now, I remember a tweet that uh, Cammy Fields had uh, saying that she was that a lot of people said she looked like the twin sister of one Holly Dead. Uh, if you don't know who Holly Dead is, she is a professional wrestler, an indie wrestler, and she actually teams up every once in a while with Thunder Rosa, and they make up the team of the Twisted... I believe the Twisted Sisters is the name of their tag team. She's a very good uh, rest, women's wrestler, man. Um, she just recently did some work in progress wrestling over in England um, against, um, I believe, Candy Floss. She went one-on-one with her. I'm not sure of the result. But I like how I like Kimmy Fields, Holly Dead. Um, if you do know of her, um, she's a like she's a very solid wrestler. I like her look. I like her gimmick. And a lot of like I said, she was just playing it off. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Some people were saying you know that was me on NXT or whatever. I don't know anything about that. I, don't, I, I look. I may look like her, but that definitely wasn't me. But that's either here nor there. Unfortunately for Kimmy Fields, this was definitely not her night. Bell rang immediately, and Shirai, in typical heel-like fashion, drop kick Fields immediately into the corner. Starts throwing big forearms, runs corner to corner for a big back elbow. Fields staggering into Shirai's underhooks. Fights back though. Fights off. Uh, fights off Shirai. Starts hitting with some forearms. Runs off the ropes, but Shirai comes back with her own forearm. She then brings Fields into the underhooks again. But Fields' height helps her back drop Shirai off of her. Shirai lands on her feet though, and hits Fields with a mean shote. Showing off that Juice and Thunder Liger skill into the corner, and then she immediately runs and hits the Meteora. Steps on Fields, goes up top for the descent. What she's calling the descent into darkness. Great name for the Eyesight Moonsault. Hits it, goes for the cover. One, two, but she picks Fields up before the referee can count three. Grins in the crowd. Immediately booing the living daylights out of her, puts Fields in what she is calling the Harajuku clutch. Um, basically based off of where she is from, from Japan. Fields taps out, which is basically like a modified uh, Koji clutch in a sense. Fields taps out. Shirai gets the victory, wins by submission in her return to the full sale arena. 
Um, she gets her hand raised, gets walks out of the ring, but she starts walking up the ramp. But she looks back at Fields and has that look like, I'm not done yet. Immediately goes underneath the ring to grab a kendo stick. It looks like she's going to go after Cammy Fields, smiles that evil devilish smile, gets back in the ring, goes after Fields. But out comes Candice LeRae, snatching the kendo stick from Shirai, swinging in away at her, hitting about, I think, two or three good shots before Shirai runs away and gets the hell out of Dodge, looking furious at Candice as she did not get her chance to take out Cammy Fields. So it looks like we're not done with this feud yet either. And that makes me a very happy man. I like this feud. This feud has now has definite legs going forward. I don't know how what this will mean um, as we go towards war games. But I know for at least the next month or so, we'll be getting a lot more of Shirai and LeRae. And the second chapter now definitely looks very bright for both of these. What? Come on, come on. Come on. Good girl. Good sit. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was your obligatory Marley moment of the episode. So, going forward, Candace and EO definitely had, I mean, you got prime babyface in Candace and prime heel in EO. And I think there's going to be more dastardly shit going down. I think they're going to do more with kendo sticks. More kendo sticks, please. I'm all for it. And hopefully a lot more attacks between the two going into September. I'm all for it either way. So they showed a little video package of Kushida uh, saying that he will return very soon to NXT. A lot of people still high on Kushida. I'm high on Kushida. I love Mishum Kushida. Um, Ace of the Juniors, of course, back in New Japan. And and they're saying time belongs to the time splitter. So only time will tell when and where the Super Junior takes over NXT. And my K-pop feels just got all type of tingly because I love me some Super Junior. If you ever heard Super Junior, um, yes, I listen to K-pop. You want to fight me about it? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but um, I definitely love me some Kushida. So anytime we get to see Kushida on NXT, I am literally a happy man. Give me one second. Don't, don't look at me like that. I moved your pillow to make sure you were more damn comfy, dog. Relax. Being a pain in my ass today. I see how that's how we're going to play it, huh? Anywho, getting into one of the big matches of the night. The long-awaited Dominic Dijakovic versus Keith Lee 2. Holy shit. I did not expect this match to be as good as it was. I expected this match to be fucking dope. I did not expect this match to be absolutely just flat out ridiculous. Flat out ridiculous. This was such a good match. And I think, honestly, this this could have been takeover worthy. This match was takeover worthy worthy. If this was put in a takeover Toronto, holy shit. This would have been a great match to have at a takeover. Just going to put it out there right now. So let's get into it. So fans are strongly behind Lee as they start chanting. Dajakovic just staring down, using this as fuel. 
Fans singing, of course, his old bask in his glory chance as the bell rings. Dijakovic does not give a damn. He and Lee tie up. Dijakovic immediately goes for the low knee, elbows Lee, Lee right in the head, throwing big haymakers and big kicks, big kicks, and big clubbing forearms. Lee grimaces after all the shots, but Dijakovic talks trash. Lee throws his big body shots. Dijakovic gets the head locked again. Lee powers out, leaps over Dijakovic, and runs him over with a shoulder. Fans singing again as Lee has Dijakovic on the ropes. He hits the Grizzly Magnum double chops, leaving Dijakovic stinging. Lee then runs at Dijakovic, but runs into the discus boot by Dijakovic, the agility of Mr. Dijakovic himself. Both men are down, reeling from each other's big moves. Dijakovic gets up, stomps Lee, starts raining down right hands. Lee staggers. Dijakovic throwing big elbows in the former in the corner. Referee reprimanding Dijakovic as he clubs Lee, going for the five count. Dijakovic reeling Lee in, goes for the suplex early, realizing that boy is too big right now. Too strong for that. So in an effort to try to get the suplex, he starts throwing body shots. Lee just powers out and throwing big hands and elbows. Dijakovic is now wobbly. Lee running corner to corner. Dijakovic puts him on the apron. Lee tries to go for the buckle bump, but Dijakovic blocks it. They start glaring at each other again. Lee nods yes. Dijakovic looks like no, no, no. Lee tries to make the double, the buckle bump happen again and makes it happen. Lee tr- he tried about one or two more times before that Lee not- head nod and Dijakovic shaking his head. Oh, hell no. And he still made it happen. Lee goes for the slingshot and he crossbodies Dijakovic down, goes for the cover and gets a two count. He gets running, hits a huge lariat on Dijakovic, knocking him down to the mat, goes for another cover and gets a two count out of that. Lee then brings Dijakovic up, but Dijakovic starts throwing body shots, chops, backs up, runs in, but runs into an apron choke slam from Lee and he only had to use one hand. Dijakovic is dead. That boy needs some milk. Get him. But he doesn't want that count out win. He tells the referee starts counting and ref tells him. He tells the ref, not this time. He drags Dijakovic up. Gets him back into the ring at six. He gets up on the apron. But eats a right hand from Dijakovic. Hits another. But Lee just grimaces at Dijakovic. Then Dijakovic roundhouses Lee right in the face. But Lee still stands up. They glare at each other. They both stand, the two stand up. Lee swings and misses. Eats a super kick for his efforts. Dijakovic then flies and hits the craziest Fosbury flop I've seen. The last time I've seen a solid Fosbury flop was from AJ Styles in TNA. And mind you, Dijakovic is like 6'5". He barely, literally, the way he hit that, he barely got over the top rope. Because even, I'm, I'm mind you, I'm 5'9". If I got a solid jump, I could probably jump over that top rope, no problem. It would I'd probably fuck the whole thing up and mess the spot up, but I could probably get over it. But Dijakovic is 6'5. It looked like he was doing like Ken when he when he got out of the ring after his matches. He go over the top rope. It looked like that. But still hits it and took out lead. Fans are going straight bananas on this right now. Dijakovic puts throws Lee back in, climbs up to the top rope, Lee stands up, leaps, goes for the super cannonball. But Lee catches him in the process. The strength of Lee on full display. Swings Dijakovic up. Goes for a powerbomb. Dijakovic leans back. Tries the Hurricane Rana. But Lee counters that. Tosses him away. 
Dajakovic gets back up, only to eat big hands from Lee. Dajakovic blocks to a back kick, hits a front kick and a back elbow. He then says, time to fly, and he tosses Lee back. Lee is down. Dajakovic goes up top once more, hits the moonsault. One, two. Lee kicks out at two. Full sail is going absolute bananas at this point. Channing NXT, NXT. It, it, this I'm telling you this match was, you gotta go back and, if you did not watch this episode last night you gotta watch this shit so Dajakovic is shocked he cannot believe that that wasn't enough to put Lee away he goes back up top Lee staggers over to throw big hands Dajakovic clubs back Lee does too he then each man fighting each other on the top rope trying to gain and jockey for position Lee elbows away on Dajakovic as he goes to the very top now he's on the top he's literally on the top rope headbutts Dajakovic I'm, I'm just going to say this shit. I've seen plenty of Spanish flies in my day. Many, many Spanish flies in my day. I've seen women do it. I've seen men do it. I've seen crazy banana, crazy banana super flies. I've seen, you know, some pretty crappy off the ramp doo-doo super fly, Spanish flies. I have never seen a 600 pound combined version of a Spanish fly. And to God, I put that on my everything. I put that on everything. I have never seen a 200 plus guy, 250, 60 pound plus dude in a Spanish fly as clean as Lee did. Goes for the cover. One, two. Dijakovic kicked out. Full sail is ex- full, the roof went off in full sail. Clear cut. This was the match of the night. Well, let's get to the finish. Lee gets back up. Lee drags Dajakovic into a drop zone. Has to, go to, has to go to the corner. Fans chanting, fight forever. Fight forever. Dajakovic hurries over to anchor Lee. Clubs the leg. Climbs up behind him. Lee elbows Dajakovic down. Lee adjusts. Gets on the very top. But Dajakovic catches Lee. Super kicks the legs out. He puts Lee in the torture rack and somehow, someway, hits the feasturized knee. One, two, three. Dominic Dijakovic beats Limitless Keith Lee in the rematch. In most fights in life, when you see feuds, the more I, I would equate this more to boxing. When you see the first fight between, oh damn, you caught that interception real quick, ADD moment. Um, and you see, you know, just a great trilogy of fights, you know, or just a rematch. You always hope the second is always better than the first. You want that you want that rematch to be just as good, if not better, than the first time they fought. This was better than the first time they thought. Not only because there was a clear-cut winner this time around, but because of the action we got from Dijakovic and Keith Lee. Great matchup. This was clear-cut the match of the night. Even better than the Tag Team Championship match that we saw last night. This was a great matchup. And I was thoroughly impressed by both men. They both got got the right amount of time to do what they needed to do. And it was absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. I hope they make this into a third 
And I hope they don't do it until possibly maybe closer to war games. If they do decide to do this one more time, because I know Keith Lee is going to want that win back. He's going to want that one back. But getting into the career retrospective of NXT's Johnny Wrestling. This was a great video package. Fantastic video package. Johnny, Johnny Gargano's career in NXT is probably the stuff of legend. From the humble beginnings of joining Tommaso Champion as DIY, winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, becoming NXT Tag Team Champions, becoming enemies with Ciampa. He says, you know, that was a long road for Gargano to re- truly realize he is Johnny freaking wrestling. They show the highlights of him becoming NXT North American Champion, becoming the NXT Champion, defeating Adam Cole in the biggest match of his career, becoming the first ever Triple Crown winner in NXT history. Gargano says he lives the dream. NXT will always have a place in his heart. But the thing is now, after losing the NXT title and possibly his last chance at getting it back, where do we go from here with Johnny Gargano? Where do we go from here? What is the next move? Usually in moments like this, it's usually main roster bound. I mean, I pretty much say this with every NXT talent that moves up to the main roster, whether it be the right call or the wrong call for them coming up. I if, 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 if that was literally Johnny Gargano's last match in NXT, and he did get that thank you Johnny chant. He got that thank you chant. If this was the last we saw of Johnny wrestling, of Johnny Gargano, first and foremost, Johnny, thank you. Thank you for giving me, giving us. I'd say what was like, it felt like forever. I think it was like three solid years. One of the best feuds going in NXT for two of those years. And it sucks that we never got a conclusion to that feud. It sucks because we all would have known Johnny would have won the championship against Tommaso. But I know that main event match would have been ridiculous to take over New York. Fuck you, Vince McMahon, for ruining it for all of us. That's neither here nor there. I digress. But it was great. Johnny Gargano has some of one of the best careers in NXT that I had ever seen. If this was really his last go. If TakeOver Toronto 2 was his last go, I hope that they do right by him when he goes to the main roster. I really do because Johnny Gargano is a special. I say this about mostly every NXT talent. You know, they are special. They were taking, they were giving great care. Their, their character development, his character development was amazing. Um, was second to none. The feuds he had with Andrade Cien Almas, with you know him and Champa facing the revival in that that two out of three falls match for the NXT Tag Team Championships at the first takeover of Toronto. That was bananas. Um, you know, Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, Adam Cole. You know those matches that he's had. You can't replicate that. I, I I'd say hands hands down top five in NXT history when in terms of career. He has held every major championship he's ever needed to hold. The first ever Triple Crown winner in history. Ever. And it was it was it was a fantastic career, if, you know. So I hope they do if that if this is the case, they do right by I hope they do right by Johnny. I really do. But right after the video, Shane Thorne, the worst, the worst. Sneaks up on commentary. He says, I don't care about Johnny Gargano. He's the past. He's done. Focused on the future, which is me. Have you seen my win streak? 
You seen what I've done in NXT? Gargano is nothing compared to me. So maybe Gargano might have to deal with Chin Thorn if Gargano has anything to say about it. Something to think about. Something to think about. So, from last week, we had, uh, of course, the Sheena Baszler trying to join Mia, trying to have Mia Yim join the ranks of the Horsewoman. And they went back to share that last week. We then had, uh, shown the footage, you know, Mia, I, I believe William Regal was on the phone uh, doing some NXT business. Mia Yim goes up to him you know, says, did you see that? Did you see that attack? I need you to do something about this. You said, but Regal tells her, you failed to get the championship. And frankly, you deserve some payback for what you did to them. Mia couldn't really say anything, but she was still pissed off about the fact that she got attacked three on one. But there was really not much she could do about it because in the lead up to her championship opportunity against Shayna, she did take out Marina and she did take out Jessamine. This was going to come back to her whether she liked it or not. Speaking of the horsewomen and Sheena Baszler, they are arri- they arrive at NXT. Fresh off, of course, a championship victory. Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir are by her side. Jessamine Duke not in the uh, sling that she had the week prior. But before she could say a damn word, and I was shocked by this, out comes... Rhea Ripley, the mosh pit kid, is in NXT. What? I love Rhea Ripley. Not in that kind of way. Shut up. Rhea Ripley, when I first saw her in the main young classic, she was a prospect, a straight up prospect, a former soccer player from Australia, had the long leg look had something about her. She was very athletic. Looked good. I'm just a man. I am merely just a man. But you could tell over time she was growing. You know, working on the promo stuff, all that good stuff. But you could tell she had something. You could tell she had that little, I'm not saying it factor, but she had that something there. Bring her over to NXT UK. And that's when Rhea Ripley became Rhea fucking Ripley. She became what many people thought was a surprise shock that she won the NXT Championship. NXT UK Championship being the first ever NXT UK Women's Champion. And ever since then, she has grown leaps and bounds. She's a full-fledged heel. She has the look. The Mosh Pit Kid fits her perfectly to her style. And if you see her on Instagram, man, she is not losing any sleep over you hating or how she looks or how she gets down in the gym. Shut up. I'm not defending. I'm just respecting. There's a difference. So, Rhea Ripley appears in NXT. The crowd's going freaking bananas. Fucking bananas. Like, I'm literally like in my, I'm tweeting something about the episode, of course. That's what I do. And I hear her music. I know her music. And I look up and there's Rhea. I freeze. I legit froze up. Rhea it enters, you know, crowd's going bananas. 
Rhea enters the ring. Fans are chanting her name immediately. Shayna goes to say something, and Rhea snatches the mic. And I actually rewrote this quote. I know it. Quote, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that you've beaten everyone here. But you haven't beaten me, bitch. Drops the mic. Leaves the ring. They have a stare down real quick. And Shafir, Duke, and Baszler bounce after the stare down. So, um, yeah. This is what I'm talking about, people. You're bringing NXT UK talent over to NXT. Utilizing top-tier talent from NXT UK and putting them in NXT. Hey, Vince, take some notes over here. You're stupid. You mean to tell me we're going to have Shayna Baszler versus Rhea freaking Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship? With a chance for Ripley to become the first ever woman to hold the NXT and the NXT UK Championships in her career? Even if it's that a possibility. The possibility is there. And Rhea Ripley, if you've watched NXT UK and if you've checked out my reviews and all this stuff since I've been talking since some day fucking one with NXT UK... I am a fan of the women's division of NXT UK. I see them growing once they get more talent. With a name like Rhea, like Piper, like Tony, like uh, Kaylee Ray, like Ginny, like Jazzy, like Zaya. You know, it's gotten to the point where Sheena literally has beaten everybody. So I think Regal and Sin having that little agreement to just bring Pete Dunover wasn't the last deal they made. No, 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 no. Johnny Saint was like, Johnny Saint was probably talking to Regal like, hey, bro. Hey, mate. You know, I see you got your champion over here, Sheena. Doesn't really look like she's got a lot of, uh, you know, contenders right now. I think I got someone for you to have challenge Sheena for the championship. Regal's like, what well, you got? He says Rhea. Probably like Rhea Ripley. Regal's probably like, you know what? Send her over, man. First flight. And that's probably, I don't know how that conversation went, but hey, Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler, I think that has legs. And judging from the crowd's reaction last night, yeah, they're definitely behind this. Rhea Ripley is someone to fuck with. Rhea Ripley is no one you want to mess with in a dark alley, probably, if you are a lady, and if you piss her off. But she is one of those, I, she, is a, she is no longer a top prospect. She is a solid performer. I think having her in this feud with Shayna will help her help her career exponentially you have a badass in Rhea and you have one of the baddest women in, the, in NXT right now in Shayna you want to talk about fireworks yeah you're going to see some fireworks when Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler face off for the NXT Women's Championship whenever that may happen that may happen in September that could happen in September this is the last this is the last episode for August so Literally, I don't know if they've already finished their tapings for September, but if this is the last, I think this, I believe this was the last, this actually, no, the second taping for, I guess, after, I, this, they usually do this before SummerSlam. So they probably got this, this version of their, their, their round of tapings. This is their new version of new round of the tapings right now. So we're in week two of the new tapings. We got a couple more weeks to go. So I'm curious to see how they build Baszler 
versus Ripley. We then have a, a sit-down interview exclusively with Pete Dunn. He begins by saying, just look at what I've done by the age of 25. The second ever and the longest reigning WWE United Kingdom Champion. The rules that apply to others don't apply to me. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And that includes being here in NXT. I'm not done with NXT UK. But I, when I have, I have my eyes on a prize. And I won't stop until I take it. Everyone saw how close I was to winning until Velveteen Dream stopped the referee's count. But if I have to fight my way up to the front of the line, I'm fine with that. I'll break fingers. I'll break spirits. And I'll take that title. I'm not saying Dream vs. Done ain't, ain't fire. But it sure as hell is a good matchup that I want to see. Guarantee you that right now. And something, and like I said, keep these three words in mind. Winners take all. Keep that in mind. I'm telling you, this will be a mantra in your head for the next couple of months. I'm going to keep saying it as I'm just going to I'm gonna beat it into your head because I. this is how I think it's going to happen. And before we get into the main event, this is how I want to explain it. I explained it last week, but if you didn't catch last week's episode of NXT Review, one, why? Two, you should. Three, I'll explain it again. NXT TakeOver War Games, the way I see it, is going to be basically based around the Undisputed Prophecy. Of course, the Undisputed Prophecy being every member of the Undisputed Era wearing championship gold around their waist before the end of 2019. The last TakeOver of 2019 is in November, Survivor Series weekend takeover war games, I believe in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, hit me up with a voice message on anchor.fm slash perspective and let your boy know. But TakeOver is the last... TakeOver War Games is the last pay-per-view of the calendar year for NXT. There will be no doubt that the Undisputed Era will be there at TakeOver War Games. The real question is who will be standing across from them in that War Games matchup. If the Undisputed Prophecy goes the way I think it's going to go, I don't, and this this is just a this is just a weird gut feeling. I don't think if if they're gonna have Roddy be the last person to win it, when all is said and done, I don't think if and if this is the, this is just my just as a little 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 guess. I'm not saying it's definitive. I don't know any spoilers. I don't read spoilers. The spoilers are trash. And if you check out spoilers, you're just ruining the fun for yourself. I think if this is the case, Roddy would be the last person to win the championship. And if that is the case, as we go, as we get into the main event of NXT, Roddy, I'm not, it's not an assumption, it's just a thought that maybe it won't happen until War Games. Maybe, just maybe, Toronto was just the setup. Everyone, I, and you know, if you listen to my Take over preview and predictions. I had all four members of the Undisputed Era either retaining or winning those the championships that night. That night, I was one for three. And I perfectly accept that L. That's perfectly fine. 
But war games means everything to the Undisputed Prophecy. That's not to say it can't happen between now and the end of the year, but TakeOver War Games is that one night where on that big stage, it has to happen. And that's where maybe Roddy becomes North American champion. Possibly, I don't know. But that, that's just, just the thought in my head right now. It's not legitimate. Like I said, I don't read spoilers. No need to. You take the fun. Honestly, you take the fun out of your own self when you read spoilers. Honestly, that's like it's like you know, it's like having a time travel machine, watching your favorite football team, watch the game, and you already know the score by the end of it. You know what I mean? Not fun. Let the let the let the beat let, you know let the beat build, let, let the story build, man. We got three months to this, man. It's about to be fun. This is about to be fun times, and usually Survivor Series weekend is going to be bananas because we all know War Games is going to be super lit. But anyway. Main event time on NXT Review. Y'all know what it is. NXT Tag Team Championships on the line. The Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins defending the titles against the Undisputed Heirs, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. One more chance after bringing up the officiating error when they lost that championship. We got the introductions out of the way. Belts were raised. Fans were divided in the chance. Let's get this shit going. Fish starting against Ford. Ford immediately whips fit at Fish with his jacket to keep him back a moment. They start to circle feel out the grapple. Fish tests the waters with kicks before staying clear. Fans chanting, we want smoke. We want smoke. Hey, we want smoke. We want smoke. I was feeling myself for that. Excuse me. Ford, but for Ford, but Fish gets Ford's leg. Fish powers around. Ford around. Gets the wrist lock. Ford then controls the handsprings and wrenches back. Fish then gets the drop soul hold. Floats over for a chin lock. Ford fights his way up. Fans dueling chance as Ford powers out. Fish hits him again with kicks. Tags in O'Reilly and Red Dragon immediately goes mugging Ford in the corner. O'Reilly then wraps on a headlock. Holds on. Ford tries to power out. Grinding Ford down. Ford then fights up and out. Kyle then gets a leg. Trips Ford to a takedown and another headlock. Ford then moves around. Stands back up. He fights out. Tags all of these immediately. Runs runs into Kyle and slam over and slams him hard to the mat. Dawkins rolls Kyle around for a little bit and gets the waist lock again. Kyle stands. Dawkins keeps him from Fish. Kyle then elbows out, but his foot gets caught. Tags in Fish. Fish runs into a take down slam. I'm gonna take a sip of water real quick. Ah, gotta make sure I get keep that water right for y'all. So, after he take, it runs into a takedown slam, uh, he powers Fish into a cover. Only gets a one count, tags in Ford immediately. Goes for the Irish whip, Fish, and four drop kick. He whips Fish. Four drop kicks Fish down to the mat. Kyle returns to get a double flapjack for his troubles. They combine for a back suplex splash on both members of Red Dragon. Goes for the cover on Fish, gets a two count. Kyle gets out. Ford has Fish in an arm lock. Bobby fights his way up, throws Bobby body shots. Backs Ford to a corner, forearms free. He then whip, Fish then whips Ford corner to corner. Ford gets the reversal, runs in, but is put on the apron, kicks back on him. Ford then kicks Kyle down, slingshots into the crossbody and gets a two count. Fish running into Ford's arm drag and gets the arm lock again. Fish fights back up. Fish whips free. Ford dodges. Dawkins saw that same tube shot attempt and starts protesting to the referee, but that just allows Kyle to get away with another cheap shot for a second time. 
Fish runs forward over with an elbow, drags forward over, tags in Kyle. Kyle then leaps, kicks away in the corner, throws forearms and knees, backs off at the rest count of before ref counts five. He puts Fish Ford's leg on the rope. Ford fights back, tags in Kyle, and he dragon screws Ford's leg. This was a turning. This was literally a turning point in the matchup as both O'Reilly and Fish took turns going after Ford's, I believe his left leg. For a majority, for the, actually the remainder of this matchup, Kyle grabs Ford, hits a shin breaker, clubs the leg, sweeps the legs, brings his leg into a toe hold, then gets a full STF on Ford. He's fighting back, so Kyle smashes his knee into the mat for his troubles. Tags in Fish, keeping the fresh man in, drags Ford up. He ra- fans behind, trying to rally behind Ford as Fish throws forearms and kicks. He snaps over forward the ropes, puts a leg on the ropes, springboards, and drops on the leg with his boots. Tags in Kyle. Kyle repeatedly does the same. Only to get, he was going to do the same move, only to get rolled up. Tags in Fish. Fish slings out sentons right onto Ford's leg. Goes to recover and gets a two count. Fish remains on Ford's leg, going after that body part, picking away at the body part, trying to weaken it, trying to weaken the base of one Montez Ford. Drags Ford up. Ford starts throwing hands, but Fish hits back. They brawl with big, hay- big haymakers. Fish then spins forward for a forearm and kicks. Fish bag suplexes, but Ford lands on his feet, but hops a little bit because of the knee. The damage the knee's been taking for the most of the, that portion of the match. He hops over. Ford hops over Fish, gives the hot tag to Dawkins. Dawkins rallies on Red Dragon, busting through their kicks, actually. They, they literally both kicked him in the gut. Runs into the ropes and off the ropes, hits double clotheslines, then tosses Fish with an exploder, tosses Kyle just just any type of fucking what he felt like. Corkscrew splashes for both guys in the corner. Fish misses the punch, gets bodied right into Kyle. He hits the spear on Fish. One, two. Bobby Fish kicks out though. He drags Fish up right into the fireman's carry. Fish slips it into a sleeper hole. He then throws Fish off. Kyle gets the tag. He German suplexes Fish upside down, which was bananas. But Kyle chop blocks Dawkins. They hit chasing the dragon. Their finishing move. One, two. Dawkins kicks out. But Kyle immediately goes into the heel hook. Fish intercepts four before it barrels him onto Kyle and Dawkins. And may I say, they are using that move a little bit too much in NXT as of late. Actually, in just WWE in general. It, I understand it's a pr- tried and true method and it works, but you gotta figure out some better way to stop a submission hole. I'm just saying. Try something different. That's just a little nitpick. Anyway, all four men are down. Crowd is going redonkulous in the building. Fans are chanting dueling chants. The teams regroup. All four men get up. They stand across from each other. Ford punches Fist. Fish. Kyle then hits Ford. Dawkins hits Kyle. Then he hits Fish. Kyle then boots Dawkins. Ford goes for the kick, but that gets blocked. Kyle hands Ford's leg to Fish, kicks out the other leg. Then Fish dragon screws Ford down to the mat, messing with that leg again. Dawkins hits Kyle down. Fish goes for the scoop, but Dawkins slips out into spine buster on Bobby Fish. Kyle hits the axe only for Dawkins to smash. Going for that axe and smash to finish her, but Dawkins got the smash part of the program. Kyle, though, gets the rebound. Goes for the rebound boot. Dawkins catches it. Lifts him up. Kyle reverses the suplex into a triangle hold on Dawkins. He drags Dawkins down. Dawkins endures everything, but hits a deadlift. But somehow gets a deadlift buckle bomb on Kyle. Tags in Ford. 
He hits the corkscrew splash. Yurinaki from Ford to Kyle O'Reilly. Dawkins goes up top. And usually it would be the finishing move for Montez Ford at the frog splash. But the fact that his leg was so beaten up at from halfway into the match, Dawkins had to hit the frog splash. Ford goes for the cover, but Bobby Fish breaks up the count. Undisputed Era is regrouping. Ford flies outside with that. That, ad, that man is at, I swear, big men nowadays are just agile as hell. If you like 6'4", and you got a vertical of at least 30-something inches, you can get over that rope and just crash on the cats. I'm just saying. For y'all out there that listen to this, and y'all tall. Ford taking them both out, sending them both back in. Dawkins spears Kyle, but Fish hits knees Dawkins down and leaves Kyle. Kyle leaves Ford to flop. Hits total annihilation. One. Two, three. We have history made last night. Not only are we three fourths of the way to the undisputed prophecy being reality, for the first time ever in NXT history, we have three time tag team champions in the form of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. And here's an even better stat. All four members of the Undisputed Era can lay claim to being tag team champions at one point or another during their run in NXT so far. And I can prove it. Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Adam Cole had to defend the North American, actually had had the championship, North American Championship, and had to defend the Tag Team Championships because Bobby Fish was out with injury. Same reason, same reason for Undisputed Era. Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly won the tag team championships. And now, Bobby Fish is now NXT tag team champion. The first ever three-time tag team champions. Now, the main, the main factor in all of this Kyle can, Kyle can literally say he is the true three-time NXT Tag Team Champion because every single time the Undisputed Era has won the Tag Team titles, he was at least one half of the Tag Team Championships. Of the Tag Team Champions, I should say. And now the Prophecy has only one step left. And that now lies on the shoulders of Roderick Strong going after the North American Championship. My God. My fucking God. This was probably the best episode of NXT in 2019. That, that's how much of, like, seriously. I just, I just can't explain the way The way they did this, man, it, it, it was just so many good moments, man. So many good moments. Really shocking. Um, so you had the whole EO Candace deal. The tribute to Johnny Gargano. I really hope Shane Thorne is in this really goodbye feud. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't think it would work, to be truthfully honest with y'all. 
not it's not my cup of tea nor my uh shot of vodka nor my sip of gin you know there's not I, I mean Gargano should have been just be done and ended there Rio Ripley for Shayna Baszler is going to be ridiculous guarantee that you then have Lee versus Dijakovic 2 being super takeover worthy. That was a great, great match they had. That was a great, that was match of the night, absolutely. And then um, the main event between Street Profits and Undisputed Era was fucking great as well. I loved every single minute of this episode. I said the only down spot was just the Gargano Thorn thing. I really don't think Gargano needs to be doing anything more. His resume is padded. His resume is fully complete. There's no more that needs to be done with Johnny Gargano. He has done literally everything he has needed to do in NXT. Other than that, y'all, we're getting Jordan Miles versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And that's going to be fucking crazy. And I can't wait to see what else they're going to bring to the table next week. Wednesday night. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was your NXT review. We're going to take a little bit of a break, listen from our sponsor, and then we're going to close out the show in proper YLP fashion. Put a nice little bow on it and get you ready for episode 102 of the Young Lions Perspective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. That's going to be it for episode 101 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. As always, if you have any thoughts or opinions on the show, I just want to say hello. If you just want to talk shit, if you say I want to say hello to my dog Marley, she does appreciate those all day, every day. Do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message on anchor.fm slash young lions perspective. Hit me up with a voice message. Let me know what you thought about the show, what your opinions are about the Sheena Bays, the Rhea Ripley rivalry, the Undisputed Era Street Profits tag team title match, anything that you thoughts you have in the world of professional wrestling, man. Do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message and maybe, just maybe, it might feature on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. If you did enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Bumble, your Tumblr, your Tinder, your LinkedIn. And I really got this down to a science. And let the people know, especially since we are literally two days away from the greatest day of professional wrestling in 2019, that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, if you do not happen to have the Anchor app and you want to listen to this episode of the podcast again or any of the other 100 episodes of the Young Lions Perspective, including my most recent episode, all my all the preview and predictions for AEW's All Out, NJPW Royal Quest, and NXT UK TakeOver, you can check that out. Of course, Every episode, all four episodes of The Secret Files, and all four episodes of The Young Lions, oh, not The Young Lions Perspective, because this is The Young Lions Perspective, of the Outside of the Ropes podcast, including my interview with Instagod's author, Sonny Arvado, you can still find this podcast across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher Radio, Overcast, CastBox, Radio Public, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across all those different platforms. You should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective, any breaking news I may come through with, any thoughts I may have for SmackDown Live or NXT or just random things I'm, I'm seeing in the news or anything like that, do not hesitate to follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live because, as y'all know, Raw is trash. NXT, NXT UK, when I have the time, of course, AEW, every live WWE pay-per-view. And if I have nothing better to do at 2 a.m. in the morning and I have nothing else better to do the next day, I do live tweet for NGPW as well. If you want to follow me on Instagram, don't hesitate to follow me at Young underscore Alliance underscore Perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP podcast. Episode 102 will be coming your way next week. I'm not exactly sure which day. I'm trying to figure it out because next week I got a long stretch of work going down. But that's why you need to follow me on my social media, especially at young underscore lines underscore perspective on my Instagram. That's where I usually post the scheduling for all future episodes of the YLP podcast. But I guarantee you the next episode 102 will more than likely feature NXT review. Just saying. Other than that, stay tuned. Keep an eye out for episode five of Outside the Ropes. I am going to be picking my NFL divisional winners. I am going to be picking my playoff teams. I am going to pick my Super Bowl picks. And I'm going to pick this year's Super Bowl champion. That will be going down actually this Monday. So episode five of Outside the Ropes coming to you this Monday And episode 102 will be coming to you next week. So until Monday, guys, for episode five of the Outside the Ropes podcast, enjoy enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the greatest day of professional wrestling. Enjoy All Out. Enjoy NJPW Royal Quest. Enjoy NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. Seriously, tell a friend to tell a friend about this great day we are about to have. And I hope you enjoy your weekend. We will talk soon. Until Monday, guys. See you.